Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and I'm here to talk to you about bullying and some of the things that are just plaguing us right now in our country, uh, in families, in communities, in schools, and probably on the work in the workplace as well. Bullying is a headache. It's a problem. It's something that no one wants to deal with and often people don't even want to talk about it and they like to just kick this thing under the rug and that's not something that we can do we have to take a stand against this we have to take a look at this we have to continue to examine it because it just keeps getting worse now today what i'm going to do is i'd like to talk to you about this kid ethan Crumbly. And if you have been watching the news um, about this young man, he's 15 years old. He's accused of carrying out um, on Tuesday, last week, a school shooting in Oxford High School, uh, which is a suburb of Detroit. And, you know, of course, he was one that did not commit suicide, thankfully, after he killed four people. Um, And he is going to be charged as an adult. He's going to be charged as an adult. And today, uh, as we speak, um, his parents are being arraigned. And they're they're charged with four, uh, four counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with their son's alleged actions. Uh, And the shooting claimed the lives of uh, a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and another 17-year-old. And 
you know, I'm reading this article right now, and it's it's been put up here by CNN. And it, this this goes back to all of this information that I'm going to share with you. It goes back to an article that I wrote a few years back. And it was called A Walk Amongst Us. And this was after uh, a young lad, his name was Cruz. He ended up shooting up a school. And the conversation always seems to be, after these things happened, about all of the signs that we had that the kid was disturbed. And there was something wrong with them. And for some reason, we just don't seem to do enough. Now, I know from what I've read that this young guy, this young boy, 15 years old, Ethan Crumbly, he was bullied. That I can tell you. And I cannot emphasize enough the fact that we have to start to strengthen the victims of bullying. I've got it all over my website. I've got courses on it. I've got articles on it. I've done podcasts on it. It is one of the most important things that we can do if we want to stop bullying and if we want to stop school shootings and shootings in general. That old adage, hurt people hurt people, is true. It's true. And you know, I, I'm just after finishing up watching the um, it was a docu-series. It was on Hulu. And it's called Dope Sick. And of course it goes into the use of oxycodone, oxycotton, the um, big pharma, how they promoted the use of it in the 90s and early 2000s and all the way up, and then still on the market today. But Purdue Pharma was was nailed along with many of their other, uh, many of their head executives for the promotion of this drug. But the story is about the battle that the FDA had and uh, the DEA had and it was in uh, the the damage that was done in a, a um, uh, an area of Virginia. And one of the things that stood out to me was how this one gal, her name was Betsy, she ends up committing suicide. She's in a relationship with another girl, so uh, she is gay. And incoming call from eight five six. Excuse that. And she ends up doing. Um, she's in a relationship with another girl. It, her their, her parents are devout Christians. They don't recognize uh, homosexuality. They initially give her a hard time, but when they find out what it's doing to her, they come around. But before they could come around, 
She gets hurt in a mine, and she ends up on Oxycontin. And the addiction that I witnessed was almost, almost unbearable to watch. And each time there was a, a situation where she, because her girlfriend ultimately left her because of her drug abuse, each time there was a situation where this girl either had a reminder of who her girlfriend was, or at the very end, she called her the gal up on the phone and she says, because she was starting to get cleaned up and she wanted to start over. She had not overcome the pain of the relationship. And the, the, the gal did not want to start over. And she committed suicide. And... Our young people today cannot manage relationships well. They get into a relationship and they don't know how to get out of it. And that's why you have so many broken marriages today because people don't know how to get out of a relationship and you need to get out of a relationship within three to six months after you start it because if you don't, it's going to be more difficult as you move forward. You need to know everything you can possibly know about another person if you want to enter a relationship with them because you need to know if, in fact, you want to or, or if, in fact, you, when you need to get out, you can do it and you can do it quickly. Kids today don't know how to manage relationships. And that's one of the reasons why drug addiction is rampant again. It's very difficult. The anxiety, the depression, the frustration, the tension that's associated. I mean, they're never taught. They're never taught. You know, years ago, just as a matter of information, we're going to get back to this lad, Ethan Crumbly. You know, lots of times families went to church together. They knew each other from the time... And they had children together, and the children grew up together, and the children ended up marrying somebody that they may have known for 10 or 15 years. That doesn't happen today. It just doesn't happen. And, and kids are taught how to deal with relationships, you know, by their, they were taught by their families how to handle things, how to be forgiving, how to know what's right, how to know what's wrong, how to treat others, how to treat a woman, how to treat a man. They were taught. They were taught. And it doesn't happen anymore. And kids don't know what to do when they get in a relationship and they don't know how to get out of one. And it becomes, sometimes it becomes too painful to get out of and they stay in relationships and at times the relationships can be um, violent. They can, there could be abuse, there could be emotional abuse, there could be physical abuse, but they stay in it anyway because it's too painful for them to get out of the relationship. Now, I don't know what happened with Ethan Crumbly in terms of relationships, but what I can tell you is this. They, they had some signs before before the shooting. On Monday, a teacher saw the suspect looking at photos of ammunition on his cell phone during class. Now, wasn't that reported? Which prompted, oh, it did, which prompted a meeting with the counselor and another staff member. 
and I'm, and I'm going over this from a website. I'm going over this information with you from a website. During that discussion, the student told him that he and his mother had recently gone to a shooting range and that the, the shooting sports are a family hobby. And this was written in a letter. This was written, the letter was written by Tim, uh, Tim Throne, who heads the Oxford Community School District. Uh, he basically is the superintendent. And he wrote a letter. He, he claims it's critically important for the victims, our staff, and the entire community that a full and transparent account be made. To that end, I've asked for a third-party investigation be conducted so we leave no stone unturned. They already left stones unturned, I hate to tell you. And um, all the interaction that the student had with staff and students. Throne wrote in the letter addressed to the Oxford community. Okay, so the superintendent is now writing a letter after four people are killed about what happened. And the school, of course, tried to reach the mother that day, but didn't hear back until the following day when his parents confirmed the student's story. After, after school officials reached out to Jennifer Crumbly regarding her son searching the web for ammunition, she texted him saying, laugh out loud, I'm not mad at you, you have to learn not to get caught. That's what the mother tells the kid. Now, the morning of the shooting, which occurred on a Tuesday, a teacher alerted school counselors and the dean of students of concerned, of concerning drawings and written statements that the student had created. According to the letter, he was immediately removed from the classroom and taken to a guidance counselor's office, the superintendent explains. The student told a school counselor that the drawing was part of a video game he was designing and informed counselors that he planned to pursue video game design in his career. Not anymore. From jail, maybe. Following the discussion, this kid stayed in the office for an hour and a half as school staff called his parents and they waited for them to arrive at the school. While waiting, the student said he was concerned about missing his homework assignments and requested his science homework, which he then worked on while in the office. This is what the letter said. At no time did counselors believe the student might harm others based on his behavior you know, and his demeanor, which appeared calm. This is what the superintendent says. Now, didn't look like he was going to hurt anybody. And this is what those that walk amongst us do. They can disguise it well. Or we look in retrospect and say, oh, I see that. I saw that should have been a high sign for me. See, that's what happens. You know, and I've often said it's not the sane that make the insane sane. It's the insane that drive the sane insane. And that's what happened here. He had people honestly believing 
Everything's all right. Don't worry about it. When the parents got to the school, the counselor asked the student some important questions about his potential for self-harm or harm toward others. This is what the superintendent says, whose name is a throne. The answers he provided led counselors again to conclude that he did not intend on committing either self-harm or harm to others, according to the letter. School counselors told the parents that they must seek counseling for their son within 48 hours, otherwise the school would contact Child Protective Services, Throne said. When asked to take the child home for the rest of the day, Throne said the student's parents flatly refused, leaving their son behind to return to work. Now, why wasn't something done there? The parents flatly refused leaving their son behind to return to work. Now, why w- didn't something happen? Why, weren't, why wasn't the police brought in at that point to take the kid out of the school? And because the student had no other disciplinary actions on his record, school counselors decided to allow him to return to class rather than send him to what they thought would be an empty home, Throne explained. Now, while we understand that the decision has caused anger, confusion, and prompted undesirable questioning, the counselors made a judgment based on the professional on their professional training and clinical experience and didn't have the facts as we now know. If a school district asks a parent to remove their child from the school, that parent has to comply. They have to comply. They can't get around it. This kid, whether or not the school wanted to admit it or the parents, he was a, just the parent's attitude communi- should have communicated to the school that there was a problem with this kid and that he was a danger to himself and others. And then Throne noted that the decision to send the student back to class, this was done by the counselors, obviously, was not shared with the principal or assistant principal. Well, why wasn't the principal or assistant principal in on the meeting? They should have been in on this meeting. You're talking about weapons here. Now, Karen McDonald, she's the Oakland County prosecutor who's leading the case. She said Crumbly had allegedly had the gun used in the shooting in his backpack during the meeting with the school officials and his parents. So the gun was already in school. You don't, I mean, you're worried about a kid with with weapons and you don't search him? In this letter, Throne said he does not know whether or not the gun was in the student's backpack as it has not been confirmed by law enforcement to our knowledge nor by our investigation at this time. 
Of course, he's denying that. The prosecutor said that it was in his backpack. Throne said he doesn't know whether it was in his backpack or not. Well, the prosecutor said it was. Throne's right now trying to cover up the fact that this kid came to school with a gun in his backpack. The alleged shooter started firing a gun during passing time between classes when hundreds of students were in the hallway, transitioning from one classroom to the other on on Tuesday, Throne said. Before the shooter was able to walk a short distance to enter the main hallway, students and staff had already entered classrooms, locked doors, erected makeshift barricades, and locked down or uh, fled according to their training. The suspect was not able to gain access to a single classroom. An initial review of video of the shooting showed that staff and students' response to the shooter was efficient, exemplary, exemplary, and definitely prevented further deaths and injury. The parents were spent Saturday night in the same Oakland County jail, but were kept separated. James and Jennifer Crumbly. Now, these are the parents. These people were actually, they were like an accomplice to this thing. Pled not guilty to the involuntary manslaughter charges during an arraignment Saturday morning. The court appearance came after authorities had spent hours searching for them. They had a manhunt, which began when they failed to show up to a scheduled arraignment on Friday. Police said the couple was found in Detroit, a Detroit warehouse early Saturday morning, but their attorney said that they intended to turn themselves in. They didn't intend to turn themselves in. Like the mother said, she's not going to get caught. She didn't want to get caught. And the, the, the parents claimed that they, did, they fled for their own safety. What are they afraid of? If they turn themselves in and they go talk to the police, they should be, have some type of protection. What do you mean you're fleeing for your own safety? Plus, your kid is locked up. The prosecutors, when the parents were arraigned, alleged that they allowed their son free access to the gun used in the shooting. But one of the parents' attorneys, Sharon Smith, said the gun was locked. When the prosecution is stating that this child had free access to a gun, that is just absolutely not true. This court is going to see there is far more going on than what the court has been made aware of. You know, this is stuff that you, you just can't believe. It's just unbelievable. And this stuff is, was posted all over social media. Jennifer Crumbly also posted about the gun on social media, which is the kid's mother, calling it his new Christmas present. This is what the prosecutor said. And an Oakland County judge set a bond for James and Jennifer Crumbly at $500,000 each. That's a million dollars. Now, there were high signs here that would lead you to believe something bad was going on. When you start talking, in today's world, when you start talking about weapons, when you start talking about um, th things going on on social media, you're looking for ammunition on your phone. 
This kid needed to be removed from the school immediately. Post haste, he needed to be removed from the school. He should not have been allowed to stay in the school. He should not have been allowed to come back to the school, even after the counselor spoke with him. The counselor should have had better communication with the principal and told the principal and the vice principal what was going on with the weapons and the, and the kid looking at ammunition. And the, the counselor should never have conducted this meeting on their own. The principal or the vice principal should have been present to make an administrative decision on the spot and get the kid out of there. But he was left to stay in the school while the, when the parents came in and were speaking to the to the the uh, the counselors. He should have been speaking to administration. He needed to be removed from the building. There was enough information available to remove him from the building. And based upon stuff that we have been through today, and I mean by today's standards, in our world, there was no reason to keep this kid in the school. None. But we do. We do. And there's that, and that's why you have the tragedy that you have. There's four, four families that are without kids right now, which is just devastating. It's devastating. And it's something that we're, we're going to have to... I mean, we've already... You know, we, we've, we've spoken about it. We go over it. There's movies written about it, movies on TV, in the movies about it. There's books about it. It's all the high signs. There were high signs with Harris and Klebold when when we had the seminal event, which was uh, Columbine. They had dynamite in the basement. Parents didn't even recognize it. So how far are we going to go with it? That's what I'd like to know. How far do we go with this thing? I know the kid, you know, and they claim he was bullied. And he may very well have been. Once again, you know, because someone is bullied or because someone has a clinical issue or because someone is disturbed, it doesn't mean that they're less accountable. At times, we have to hold those kids more accountable because they are they are more likely to have difficulty like this and i'm really you know hoping that a motive does come out where we can hear what this kid's motive was for doing what he did and the parents well they obviously didn't know how to parent. They're basically what I always have called, they've grown physically but not emotionally. And we're stuck with a lot of parents like that who could raise kids like this 
and they send them to school and we wonder why we have discipline problems and school shootings. I'm not stopping. I will continue my battle with this. I will get information out there about it. A few things you want to take away from this podcast is we have to strengthen the victims of bullying. That's number one. We have to be firmer in our discipline approaches. We should be. We should have been. We need to involve administration much more quickly than we do. And we need to do more work in terms of parenting and working with parents and teaching them. Folks, we have parents today who've grown, again, grown physically, not emotionally, and they have kids themselves and they don't know how to discipline, raise them, talk to them, or give them any type of moral compass or help them develop character, and that's what we end up having. Going, And those are the kids that go to school. So, there you have it. That is a pretty tough podcast right there, going over this school shooting and going over the other events that led up to it. But nonetheless, it happened, and we have to begin once again to take a look at this stuff. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101, a few little bits of housekeeping. We have pod courses now. They are part of a subscription. You can get, right now there's two pod courses that are in the, in the, um, in the subscriber list. There's going to be a third. It's going to be on consistency. I have a new book coming out. It's, gonna be, it's called Consistency. Twelve things that we need to start doing and keep, keep doing. Twelve things. Being consistent in these 12 areas will make a difference in your life. I may do a podcast on that the next time we're together. That podcast, that book, that information is going to be put into a pod course. And that will be part of our subscriber list and you'll be able to purchase the book there as well. My website, www.bullyproofclassroom.com. Go there. Please afford yourself the store. Go look in there. There's wonderful stuff in there that you can use to help deal with bullying and a lot of other behavioral issues. So take a look at that. This podcast doesn't run on its own. I've got something up on Patreon where you can donate. That would be nice. It's very hard to do this without the correct support. That's why we have the subscriber list. The subscriber list is no biggie. It's no big, no biggie. You can get my books on Amazon.com as well. Just go to anti, go to Amazon, go to uh, books, go to Anti Bullying 101. The book will come up. You can buy it there if you want. If you feel better doing it that way. The bottom line is, get the book, get Anti Bullying 101, and get help. It'll help you, no question about it. But support this podcast and support what we're trying to do because we truly want to help people here. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. This has been Anti-Bullying 101. 
It's Wednesday, December 8th. I'm going to be back at you again next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. I hope everyone has a, a great rest of their week and they can um, rest up because you're getting ready for the holidays and there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. So I hope everyone has a great rest of the week. Take care of yourself. Be well. Stay safe. My name is Jim Burns. Thanks for listening.